At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Uh, we are taking the podcast on the road this week out to Southern California, where I connected with Karan Butler, a 14-year NBA veteran who has been on some very interesting teams and played with some great players. Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and, of course, Kobe Bryant out in L.A. And we had kind of a wide-ranging conversation where we discussed, uh, among other things, the uh, surreal experience that he had at the end of his time with the Washington Wizards. You know, looking back at it, I didn't really understand, like, you know, how serious it was until they took, you know, billboards down of, you know, one of the most celebrated sports figures in, you know, Washington history. And, of course, we talked about his last team, the Sacramento Kings, and the crazy situation that evolved out there. I don't regret that move. You know, I'm a strong believer in, you know, um, the timing of things and, you know, I was placed there for a reason. It's a fun conversation, so stick around next for Karan Butler on the Vertical Podcast. All right, welcome back. Another episode of the Vertical Podcast uh, with Chris Mannix. My guest this week, a 14-year NBA veteran, played on a lot of great teams with a lot of great players and hopefully has a lot of great stories about some of those experiences. Uh, Karan Butler uh, taping out here in California. What's up, Karan? How you doing, man? Thanks for coming out to the crib. Hey, man, it's uh, it's nice to get out of New York every so often. January, February, you you know this. You're a Wisconsin guy. January, February in the Northeast or the North 
those are the months where you're like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what is happening here? Why am I in five degree weather? I go through that all the time. I just went back to see my son play back in the great state of Wisconsin. And I was just like, I can't wait to get back on the flight back mm-hmm. west. You know, I just, I don't miss it. The weather is just brutal. When you go back to to Wisconsin, how much do the the old memories come back? I mean, you you wrote a book recently, a, a terrific book about your your life story, and you know it's the stuff straight out of a movie, like dealing drugs and and you know kind of that crossroads incident which you've talked about with the police officer uh, who helped you, uh, you know, turned you in a different way. I mean, how much does that do those memories come back when you go back home? I mean, you know, it's a small knit community, and it's extremely small. You know, when you're traveling around it, you know, four four miles uh, long, four miles wide. So, you know, you see all these scenes and you know uh, monuments that you know I talk about in the book. You know, so often, you know, every time you drive down the street, so you know you reflect a lot. You see uh, locations where you know shootouts happen, um, where I lost friends. You pass by. Uh, you know, burial sites and things like that. So I reflect often and, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never too far removed from the memories or the moments that happen in my life, you know, in uh, the city of Racine. Do you think about how close, um, it, it you came to going the other way? To, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I was at a fork in the road many a times, you know, um, I don't know through the, through the grace of God or, you know, um, just uh, generations of prayer that, you know, um, steered me in the right direction to, you know, um, move me off that path, you know, but, you know, I easily could have been in prison for the rest of my life for selling narcotics or taking someone else's life. And and when you got to the NBA, I mean, you were, you're coming out of UConn, uh, a top draft pick, but if you had, if if I told you back then, that you'd get at least 14 good years out of playing in this league and, and have the accomplishments you've had, what would you have said? <laughs> You're a damn lie. <laughs> Just like that. I, I, I wouldn't believe it. Um, I'm still in awe to this day, you know, as we sit here in the living room at my house and um, just reflect on these moments and what, uh, you know, where I'm at and where I come from. You know, um, it's just, it's a dream come true. You know, um, it really is. And, you know, um, I haven't forgot, you know, what I've been through or where I come from. And, you know, I stay closely connected to it, to my roots. But it really is. It's, it's mind-blowing. You played on some some very good teams and, and with some some great players. And, and right from the beginning, you were uh, an early teammate of Dwayne Wade uh, down in Miami. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wade at that time, young kid coming out of Marquette. But, you know, as two young guys, did, did you see something in Wade back then? Could you see the 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 potential he had to become what he eventually was. Yeah, he was special. Um, you know, I watched the workout. I, I'll never forget. It was Reese Gaines. I want to say like Marshall Williams or someone or a couple guys. And they all came to the workout. And I was just telling uh, the godfather, the legend, you know, Pat Riley. I was just like, man, we got to take, you know, Dwayne Wade, man. He's he's special. You know, just seeing him in the one-on-one workout and he's extremely explosive and, you know, doing a lot of things. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. They end up taking them. But when they took them and Pat Riley stepped down from the coaching front and went to the president and, you know, front office, um, Stan Van Gundy put the ball in his hand and started putting them in pick and roll situations. And it was like nothing we ever seen before. Like he was unguardable in the pick and roll and, you know, eventually got the name Flash because he can split it. 
He can get the switch with the big. He can attack the big. He can get outside of the show and get downhill no matter what the situation. And he was, you know, extremely athletic, extremely explosive, and he had just a clever way of going downhill or managing to get downhill in whatever situation, whether he was moving laterally or, you know, whatever. So, and he had a knack of scoring and making other guys better. So it was something like we never seen before, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer. That trade was when that sent you um, out west. That was your first taste of, of basketball business, wasn't it? That yes. was that that this is not. I mean, when you get to Miami, is, is there a part of you that's like, all right, this is my home. I'm going to play here for 15 years. I, I thought I'd be there forever. You know, I really did. You know, because you know. The way it was pitched, you know, uh, groundbreaking, cornerstone of the franchise, you guys, uh, yourself, Dwayne Wade, Lamar Odom. And, you know, once we got the addition of Lamar Odom, I thought we had a great piece, another piece, you know, uh, young, talented guys. You know, we was headed in the right direction, just got out the first round, lost to the, uh, beat the Hornets, lost to the Pacers. And I thought we was, you know, okay, we got this thing going. And then, you know, Shaq come available and, you know, as a businessman, you know, I would trade myself for that that deal. You know, Shaq still was, you know. He didn't get traded for nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't get traded for nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's still in the prime of his career. You know, he's he's doing major things. And um, he's coming off of finals where he averaged, you know, 27 plus, you know, lost to the Pistons. So I was just like, okay, it is what it is. You know, um, but I was introduced to the business of basketball, you know, from that situation because I just bought a house. Uh, I was getting settled. I never thought I'd be you know, moving from, you know, Miami, and then it happened. Mm-hmm. Reality check. <laughs> Did things change for you after that and your mindset about, you know, what the game is and and what can happen? My mindset changed because my my second year, I had an injury in which I had to get surgery. And, you know, they lay out the red carpet for you. And, you know, when you're, you're healthy, you're young, you know, you, you, you don't have no ceiling on your potential. But once I had got the surgery and had the knee injury, um, the possibilities of your future being halt, you know, put to a halt. Like I start looking at things differently, you know, like the roar of the crowd isn't for you, it's for what you can do. And as a young player, you need to understand that, you know, um, you're only as good as your last game. And you have to understand that from a business st- standpoint, it's not personal. And I really was able to see that because things wasn't fast speed no more. It was slow motion. And I was able to see that when I was injured. And I said, all right, I'm going to go at this with a business mindset from here on out. However long, however dur- 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 duration of my career, whatever it is, this is how I'm going to look at it going forward. Did Did a lot of your peers back then have that same mindset because I think that's important for young guys to have because, I mean, this game, you could, you see what's happened to some veterans out there that have torn up their knees or, or for whatever reason aren't fitting in with their teams. I mean, the, the business part of it is, you know, you lose money quickly in this league. No, I think, I think they're living in the moment. Um, you jaded, you know, sometimes, you know, um, you get jaded by the success, you get jaded by the moment. Um, you know, you think this thing never ends. Uh, you don't have, you know, the the value of having a, a good vet around to give you perspective and, you know, conductive criticism and humble you when you get a little bit big-headed to deflate some of that air out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need that. You need, you need that, that guidance. And 
I, you know, I think it should be, you know, you know, I'm removed and I'm not selling myself anything, but I think it should be like, you know, a big brother program where, you know, uh, a veteran is, you know, uh, designated to each team, you know, not for play, but just to give, you know, priceless insight, you know, to these, these young guys, because, you know, with the cap and everything, you know, rising and stuff like that. Now, you know, you know, the numbers out there is just crazy. And now you got extremely young guys, which well deserve, deserving of it, you know, but the money is going to be, you know, unbelievable. And, you know, you need someone that been through those walks of life to give them perspective on things. I was watching the um, the Clippers play this week, and obviously Chris Paul's injury, um, you know, sets them back. And, uh, you know, it just kind of, it's another example of how, you know, even though you put stars together and it looks like a team is going to, you know, win a championship, two championships, it doesn't always work out that way. You were on a team in Washington that uh, a lot of people thought that team was destined to win a championship, go deep in the playoffs. You were there. Anton Jameson is there. Gilbert Arenas is there. You know, star, young star, rising star players in their primes. Um, and, and obviously, it doesn't work out. When you look back on that experience, was that the, where does that rank among the more disappointing that that team you know, was never able to live up to its potential? It's tough because, you know, we were so talented, like you stated, and we had all the components of, you know, being a successful team. Like, as I traveled and go to other places, like, you know, going to Dallas and winning the championship there and, you know, coming out here to Clipperland and, you know, getting out the second round, going to second round, losing to San Antonio, going to, uh, you know, um, OKC and, you know, going to the Western Conference Finals and seeing the components and what it takes to win. And then I reflect, you know, I go back to the Washington days where we was in the prime of our career and I'm like, damn, we was right there. Mm-hmm. We literally was right there, and, you know, we had injuries. We had Antoine, Antoine Jamison with the shoulder. You know, you had Etan Thomas, you know, where you don't understand how important everyone is to the chemistry of, you know, the marathon of the season. You know, Etan Thomas with, you know, the heart issue. You know, Gilbert with, you know, the the, the multiple knee injuries. Uh, you know, um, not having a, a, a backup that can sustain – that marathon of the seasons, you know, um, you know, missing Antonio Daniels for, you know, 17 to 20 games with the knee injury, Mike Miller being out with the back, uh, you know, this just a lot of things happened that disturbed uh, the momentum of us, you know, really, you know, going forward. Yeah. And the knee was, the knee was what derailed Gilbert. What I always heard down there was that Gilbert, you know, he's always on TV doing these ridiculous workouts and he's, he's, shooting a million shots but when the knee injury first hit he just never he never did what needed to be done to specifically improve that knee like you can I mean you, you can stay after practice and shoot as much as you want but you need to do little small things to to improve the strength of the knee and get it better and, and he just never did that and I think that cost him uh, with that team I think you know with Eric Waters and um, you know um, I forget what the other trainer was but they had hired someone in just the work, uh, Kenichi, actually, his name was Kenichi. Uh, he's with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, they had hired this guy specifically just to work with him. And he did it for, you know, a month or two. And, you know, the progress was unbelievable. And then he went to Tim Grover's one summer and we was like, okay, we about to, we about to make some noise this year. Flip Saunders come on as the mm-hmm. coach. And, 
And then we had the the injuries again. And, you know, it was unfortunate because he was the franchise player. And, you know, we go as far as, you know, I mean, we can get to the playoffs, but we can't win the whole thing without mm-hmm. our guys. So, you know, it was extremely unfortunate. And, um, you know, it altered everything. You know, it really did. And, you know, I'm just happy that we was able to go somewhere else and have some success because that could have been the end for a lot of people's careers right there. Yeah, the the night things changed was the, the night that uh, there was the gun incident mm-hmm. in the locker room. Uh, what do you remember about that that day in particular? Where 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 were you in all that and 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 how did you see it all go down? Uh just the night that everything changed uh was the night before, you know, um just being on the plane and you know um the argument over the money. Um Javaris, you know, not taking taking that lightly. And then, you know, getting to the point the day after where, you know, you come in, you come in the locker room and, you know, uh, guns, guns are drawn and, uh, you know, guys are dispersing and running everywhere. And, you know, um, the rest is history. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there guns actually in people's hands in that that day. Yeah. Because I had originally I thought I originally heard it was just on the table or and he said read a note there or something, but they were actually physically being held. Yeah. And, and how did, I mean, how did did it escalate from there? I mean, it, it kind of, it kind of dissolved from that point because, you know, once I got to talking to Javaris and, you know, I I think it was just a bad prank that went wrong. Mm -hmm. No, it really was, you know, um, I don't think that, you know, Gilbert had any malice in his heart to, you know, um, towards Javaris or anything like that. I don't think that he thought that it would get this, like, this out there, this serious. You know, whereas I think Javaris was a little upset about, you know, maybe he was felt like he was bullied or some type of situation. And, you know, I think Gilbert was just, you know, being a prankster like he always does. And it's a joke that this went bad. You were always a, a voice of reason out there, a leader on that team, even at a young age. Do you ever think back about... You know how that escalated from the plane to that moment, and wish that you know. I wish I had stepped in to do something different. I wish somebody had stepped in and diffused this before it became what it became. I I think if we would have, I I think it was after a loss, and I think guys are just really upset about that more than anything. But I, I think if we would have all just collectively, now that I look at it in hindsight. If we all would have just handled the situation a lot differently, like all of us, you know, all right, man, look, give him his money back. All right, we not we we brothers. Mm-hmm. Give him his money back. It's a bad joke from the from the start. Let's just nip it in the butt because we need you. We need him. We need everybody to you know have a clear mind and yeah. be successful. I mean, now you look at it and it's just like it's extremely frustrating. You know what I mean? Like I was just at Shot Zone the other day and um. I just missed Gilbert, but I text him right afterwards because, you know, like, I think it's important that we have a relationship and I think it's important that we communicate. I also, you know, talk to Javaris, you know, occasionally, you know, when he's able to call and I, you know, I text his mom and, you know, I send gifts and things like that, you know, for Christmas when I'm able to because I just think that it's important that we stay connected because this thing is, you know, bigger than the sport. You know, I think it's about, you know, um, having 
that real love and having that real friendship and, you know, we connected one way or the other. So, you know, you don't want to see bad things happen to anyone, you know, going forward. And you you learn life lessons from things in the past. And I know I definitely did. You know, I could have been better that that in that moment, that day, the, the next day that follow and the days that follow. And I think we all feel like, you know, we blown the opportunity and we all could have been better. But now we got to live with that, you know, forever. And the best way, you know, to move forward is just understanding that and appreciating what happened and just moving forward the right way. Did, did you realize at the time the kind of story that was going to become? I mean, obviously, it's salacious. It's got guns that are involved. It's an NBA team. There's you know, stuff happening in the locker room. But did you, I mean, did you, at that time, did you think it was going to become the story that it eventually became? No. No, I just... I thought it was a I thought it was an incident and I thought that it was I didn't understand how serious it was until um we had to go to a grand jury. I I understand how serious it was until we were sitting in front of, you know, um Billy Hunter and league uh lawyers and stuff like that. And, you know, uh the organization telling us that we may have to get lawyers and, you know, things like that. I didn't really understand like how serious the whole thing was until then. Uh, you know, looking back at it, I didn't really understand, like, you know, how serious it was until they took, you know, billboards down of, you know, one of the most celebrated sports figures in, you know, Washington mm-hmm. history of, you know, Gilbert. And they they just, you know, pretend like he never was part of the organization. I didn't really understand how serious it was until I saw that visually. Mm-hmm. Did that change Gilbert? I think it did. You know, I you know, it's you can imagine he was one of the best players of that generation. No he question. was a yeah, no no question. He was one of the guys that was making shots turning around before the ball went in. He was one of the guys that was uh you know, calling people out, you know, publicly um and going out and dropping 50 on them. He was, you know, getting his name chanted at the the Boston Garden, you know, and just, you know, most hated, but being celebrated at the same time, you know, one of the first guys that was doing the blogging and, you know, he was out there. You oh, know? He was a reporter's dream back yeah. in those days. He used to come up to me and say, you know, I'm thinking about changing my name. And I'd say, to what? He's like, we look at all these guys, Kobe Bryant, he's destined to become a good player. OJ Mayo, that's a basketball player's name. Straight up. Gilbert Arenas, like, what is that? What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, Gilly, do whatever you want, man. Hibachi. Hibachi. Eight yeah. and zero. Yes. Yeah, it was like now that you look at the moments and, you know, I'm thinking about Deshaun Stevenson and the Jay-Z thing and Soldier Boy and all. I'm just like, <laughs> it was it was crazy to it was crazy to be in in that in the moment of all that. But, you know, he was one of the best players I ever played with. And, you know, he was, it it was tough watching him sometime because you, you got, you got tough playing with him sometime because you got caught watching him because he really was that great. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, I just hate that he had the knee injury. Have you worried about him over the years? He's done some, some weird stuff. Uh, shot videos of some weird stuff showing up at Nick Young's house. There was that video that was out there a year or so ago. Um, you know, he's he's was so basketball focused for so long. Have you found yourselves yourself being concerned about you know what his next step's going to be? I don't I don't worry about him as far as like 
like how I worry about one of my former teammates, Lamar Odom, which he, you know, went to, you know, facility, got mm-hmm. rehab and got himself, you know, taken care of, you know, like uh, I don't worry about him like that. But I do worry that, you know, um, I just I just want him to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I know he I know he had a tough life, his upbringing and, um, you know, being raised by his father and things like that. And, you know, I just I want the best for him. You know, I genuinely and, you know, truly do. You know, I want the best for him. I want him to, you know, he's a great father. I see him with his kids all the time and supporting him and stuff like that. So I think he's finding his fulfillment in his kids, you know. Um, and that's that's a beautiful thing because, you know, that's that's definitely where I find it. And, you know, it's like my therapy, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, not playing basketball right now, but still doing other business ventures and things like that. Like, I find my true fulfillment in my kids, and I think he's doing the same. Like, when I'd uh, text him, he was at Glow Zone or something with his kids, and I was just like, that's 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 tight. You know what I mean? Like, that's tight. Like, it's good to hear that. And then, you know. He's probably playing Papa Shot somewhere. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? He probably, you know, he's super competitive, mm-hmm. so he's probably, like, really into it. But it's just good to see that instead of seeing like anything negative, anything out there about them. Because like in all actuality, we brothers forever. And um, he, he truly is a good dude, good person. When was the last time you talked to uh, Lamar Odom? Man, it's been a minute. Like I haven't talked to Lamar since prior to, you know, the whole Las Vegas thing. And, you know, I reached out to uh, Mac, his assistant and stuff like that. And, you know, he's. I've been talking to him more than anything, stay in constant contact, but I haven't talked to Lamar at all. Uh, but, you know, I I just, you know, I'm always praying for him and, you know, hoping that things, uh, you know, work out. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. And now a word from Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts out of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash Mannix. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Hi, boys and girls. It's Tony Kornheiser reminding you to subscribe and listen to my daily podcast where we talk about everything from sports to politics to the impending animal revolution. And remember, you can listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. You played with some some of the best players ever, uh, beginning with an early Dwayne Wade, Kobe, Dirk Nowitzki, Durant, and Westbrook, just to name uh, a, a few of them. When you look back at all your teammates, who's the guy you say that's the best guy I ever played with? Uh, the best the best player of our generation was Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. I think I learned the most from Kobe on how to be a professional, how to compete, how to work on my craft. Um, I think I had the most success from an individual standpoint. This is just like being an all-star and things like that, playing alongside Gilbert, just because 
he was so great. Like he'll come in the game, like you know, like I'm a, you know, you got the first quarter, you know, get your money, you know, get buckets, and then you know, I, you know, I score twenty anytime, you know, like <laughs> that's how it's, like he was that good, you know. So I had the most success with him because he he knew how to get to the foul line or something. And I asked him, I said, who reminds you of yourself? He's like James Harden. And now I see the comparison because I see like James can really shoot the ball, distribute the ball, he can play the point, things like that. But I, I had the most individual success, you know being with Gilbert. I learned the team concept basically playing with Dirk. True superstar that knew how to do less. Mm-hmm. Less was more. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, that first year, you know, being there and just learning how to play off of him and he's still finding ways to get his number and still be effective and win games. Um, and then playing alongside Chris Paul, you know, on the back end, you know, starting to get towards the back end of my career, you know, that was amazing. And then, you know, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, you know, going to the Western Conference Finals with those guys, that's a different breed. Mm-hmm. Now, you you know, you you know, Russ is something I've never seen anything like that before in, in, in my life from the point guard position, just the way explosive, speed, everything. And then Kevin Durant wanted to – he scores so effortlessly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like seven-foot – with a ratchet. That's the only way I could put it. Seven foot, score the ball so easily, and he he does it just effortlessly. That relationship between Durant and Westbrook has been dissected over the last um, six, seven months. When you were a teammate of theirs, what did you notice about their relationship? Was it a normal, you know, multi-star relationship? Was there something different you noted? It, I mean, they had a great relationship. You know, they always communicated in film. Um, Perkins was... Uh, you know, Kendrick Perkins was, you know, um, one of the main voices on that team, along with Derek Fisher, you know, when I arrived there. And, um, you know, they was always honest. You know, guys always spoke up and say how they uh, how they felt, specifically uh, Russ. And, you know, Kevin was a little more reserved and just chill. You know, he you know he sat back and watched and listened, and then, you know, he'd go out there and put on his demonstration night in and night out. I think everything was really, you know, focused around him and his offense and his strengths. And, you know, um, I think Russ was on the verge of coming along and, you know, tapping into superstardom because, you know, Derrick Rose was so successful in the Eastern Conference. This is prior to the injuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, you heard so many reporters saying that, you know, Westbrook's trying to be the Derrick Rose of the West and things like that. But he was just being Russell Westbrook, something that you never seen before. And now he's become all that mm-hmm. Mr. Triple Double everything and I think he was on the verge of being that and you just had two great superstars that both are alpha males I don't think I ever covered a player that that used the the disrespect perceived or real uh more to motivate him than Russell Westbrook just because it seems like Russ even dating back to college when you know people didn't think he could be a point guard and should he be the third overall pick in the draft, he seems to have harnessed, at least from the outside, all that and used it to push him um, up to this point. I would say so too. You know, just he, he, he works just about as hard as i ever seen any, anyone work, superstar, whatever. We just don't take that off, just anyone. Uh, like he's one of the first people in the gym, one of the last to leave. I mean, I mean this, like, I pull up, his car's there. You know, he's in there. He's sweating. He's, you know, we, you know, we just headed to the locker room. You know, he ain't got a full workout. He didn't work with his bands. He didn't watch film. He, he, he loves learning. He learn. He loves 
getting better and having the edge. And he loves the criticism. He he hears it. You know, whether he say it or not, you know, he knows what people say and put out there. And then, you know, he goes out there and proves people wrong. Do, I mean, you've been a, a part of teams with great star teammates, whether it's Chris and Blake and Dirk and you know, Jason Kidd into that mix, among others, of course. Do teammates that are stars, do they have to be friends? I mean, to be successful, what what's necessary and what's overblown? You don't have to be friends. Uh, great friends, but you have to have a respect and understanding and you have to respect each other crafts. You know, I have to understand that in order for me to be successful, I need you to be successful. In order for you to be great, you need to do X, Y, and Z. I need to do A, B, C. Like, we need to understand that. And a lot of time is, a lot of time guys just go out there and just play their games and not respecting the 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 craft of the teammate and that you need this person to be so great or so good at this in order for you to be so good and so great at this it all goes hands in hand were the when you were you were a veteran on those that Oklahoma City team with with Durant and Westbrook still at a very youngish stage of their career I mean how inquisitive were they as as teammates how much did they you know talk to you about different things that you might have more experience with I mean uh, Russ used to ask a lot of questions. KD, me and KD talk a lot still to this day. Like, always ask questions about, you know, what I see out there and uh, the second line of defense and, you know, was that a good shot? I mean, one of the best scores ever asking, was that a good shot? You know what I mean? <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, you know, Russ, this, you know, where you want the ball at and, you know, just their, their understanding and feel – for the game was just unbelievable, both of them. And you can respect that because they they value everyone's opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, all the stuff out there or what was being said, they really valued everyone's opinion. And it was just trying to do something that's never been done before, bring a championship to Oklahoma. So you looked at that relationship between those two guys as solid, as yeah, solid as teammates. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was solid. You know, you, it was it, it was very solid, and you know, it was a respect thing. And obviously, you can't have you you wouldn't have so much success like they did if if the relationship wasn't solid. Now, could it have been better? Maybe, but it definitely was solid, and it was definitely an understanding. Do you feel the same way about Chris and Blake in L.A. Their relationship as, as I mean, as as solid. I mean, there's been. You know, even when you go back to DeAndre with the stuff when DeAndre was re-signing, was there uh, friction in that locker room between those guys? Did you see any of any of that? I haven't seen I haven't seen friction or anything like that. But you have to understand that you know you're dealing with Chris Paul, who's a you know a uh, 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 ultimate competitor, and um, once he's out there, he's extremely demanding. You know, and you know I get it. You know, like when when you're in the heat of the battle, you can't tone down your statements or your conversation to cater to somebody's personality. Hey, if your ass should have been over the screen or you should have showed on the screen, get your ass out here and show. It can't be like, oh, how was your day today? I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, that. oh, um, okay. You had a, oh, it was a tough day for you too. Yeah, okay. Next time, can you please make sure you show hard for me, please? Thank you. And call out the screen, have a blessed day. Thank you, God. Jesus. You know, like, it can't be like that. And I think, like, Chris Paul come across that way because he's the ultimate competitor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He's cut from a different cloth. And sometimes, you know, you have friction with guys when, you know, because we're dealing with a different 
breed now. Mm -hmm. You know, guys are used to being catered to, used to being talked up all the time. So when you, you know, don't talk them up or just, you know, give them the cold-blooded hard facts sometimes, they don't like that that coming from guys like that. So I can see the friction sometimes only with that, you know, when it was in the heat of the battle and, you know, because he's a talker. He's going to talk. He's going to be on you because he's the floor general. He's going to, you know, he's the coach on the floor. And that was the only time I saw, like, confusion Mm -hmm. or frustration from the bigs, whether it was Blake or DeAndre, things like that. But playing with him, there's no Lob City without Chris Paul. There's no um, franchise Clippers being talked about as legit contenders without Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. So they learn to coexist. Um, they understand that the value of DeAndre Jordan, you know, either after he locked himself in the house and went through that whole thing, um, they understand the value of him. And it's good to see him getting the recognition that he deserved. You know, um, they have a good thing going. If they, if they only can stay healthy, that's the that's the key. If they only can stay healthy and, you know, put it together, you know, on the back end, just like they do on the front end of the seasons, if they can put it together and go into the playoffs with some momentum and a rhythm, healthy, um, they can shock anybody. Chris and Russell, two of the fiercest competitors we see uh, in the NBA today. I mean, how, what, what's different about their competitiveness? Uh, different? Um, Russ, Russ, Russ is not the talker necessarily that Chris is. Chris is always in constant conversation, whether it's good and bad with his guys. I don't know if you see that as much with Russ. Russ is Russ is going to blow through you, run by you, and he's a he's a killer in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he he got the Kobe where I'm just I want to destroy you type, and just Chris is a a very calculated assassin. He know how to work the room. He know how to say hi to everybody. He know how to, you know, work the ref. He know how to, you know, take the order, order your food and his food. He know how to do it all <laughs> and then still get the win and walk off the court mm-hmm. and wink at you. Like, you know, like he he does it in a different way. But it's amazing to see the way that he he work it, man. Like he's, you know, he's a walking Hall of Famer, man. It's 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 amazing to watch. And he's he just continues to get better. Do you think those I mean, you, you were part of that that kind of a what-if team in Washington. That, now, the guys in Oklahoma City, they've got long careers ahead of them. And, and, you know, in the case of Harden, an MVP award, maybe Durant, Westbrook, they could win MVPs. But do you think at some point those guys might look back and wonder, you know, what could have been if, you know, if we had just stayed together? And, and I think that I think the Oklahoma City team all already do that. Yeah. Whether it's uh, Sam Pressy, whether it's uh, – uh, the owners, whether it's uh, the players. Just think about this. Jeff Green, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. I mean, that was the that was the dynasty of what you see with Golden State now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And having Reggie Jackson. Yeah, Reggie Jackson, all those guys. I mean, Kendrick Perkins, all of them. If Kevin Durant didn't get injured, I don't think you would have saw the the surgeons of Golden State so, like, soon. Because he was still, like, the guy in the way, like, not yet. Mm-hmm. Y'all can't come. Not yet. You know, it's, it's our time. And then all of a sudden, Golden State just kind of 
hurdled them and became that team, you know, with the foot injury. But, you know, prior to that, I mean, come on, he's just coming off the MVP season, um, lost in the Western Conference Finals to uh, San Antonio. And I just think that that just pushed them in the front. But they definitely going to sit back, and they probably already do. Like, that team could have been so great, possibly three MVPs on one team. I don't think that ever happened in NBA history. I mean, it was... It was a, a weird confluence of events with you know blowing a 3-1 lead and then Golden State subsequently blowing a 3-1 lead. If either one of those things don't happen, Kevin Durant's not in Golden State. He's not going to a two-time defending champion. And I mean, you know him jumping on the bandwagon, try to win his own. And he's not leaving a team that just went to the finals to go to a team that that he just just knocked off a team that might have won a championship this past year. I mean, you know, you want to talk about snake bitten or, you know, bad karma or whatever. Oklahoma City had it this yeah. past year and losing those guys and that guy. Absolutely. But I that's the that's the story of the game. Like things happen and like we said, unfortunate chains of events happen that lead to things. Just we touched on the whole Washington situation with Agent Zero and, you know, um unfortunate events. We talk about you know, uh, what 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 if James Harden and Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant stayed together? Could they have won a title? And then Kevin Durant having the, the injury to the foot and Golden State taking off. And now we talk about the Clippers and the injuries with Blake and, you know, Chris Paul and, you know, what's going to happen. So, like, the 3-1 leagues being blown by both organizations, you know, Golden State and uh, OKC, I mean, led to – this chain of events and, you know, now, you know, the the legacy of Kevin Durant, I think he's trying to secure that by, you know, winning some titles. I remember sitting down with you when your book originally came out and I said something along the lines of the time because you had just signed a deal with Sacramento and saying, do you, do you want to wait to release <laughs> the book for another year? because of what I kind of anticipated Sacramento would turn out to be. Uh, do you have any regrets about releasing the book? And do you plan on releasing a extra, uh, what do they call it, an appendix or something like that at the end of it? Uh, well, I'm, you know, I added on two chapters already, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on something else, another project, another book, but it's nothing to do with basketball. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't regret that move. You know, I, I'm a strong believer in, you know, um, the timing of things. And, you know, I was placed there for a reason. You know, being on the back end of my career, um, just to be there with Rudy Gay and Darren Collison and Omri Caspi and um, obviously DeMarcus, you know, just to educate them boys on, you know, importance of sacrifice and winning and things like that. And, you know, when I talk to people now and I tell them, like, hey, we got 30, 30, 30 plus wins. That's the first time that happened in like 10 seasons. And people don't understand the importance of like hot. That was like a championship to me. I like I really felt I really felt good about that because we worked so hard for that, in spite of everything that was going on, you know, with what I felt was somewhat, you know, the manipulation and things like that, you know, from top to bottom, you know, um, you know, the, you know, the it wasn't a good mix between, you know, obviously the coaching staff and the players and the locker room, everything like that. It didn't so, seem like anybody was on the same page. It wasn't. So, like, in order, I, you know, I try to keep everybody in a good place mentally, you know, to go out there and prepare as best as possible because we was already fighting a 
fighting a battle already and then to go out there and compete and fight that battle too. It was extremely tough, but that's why I felt so good about the 30 wins. Like that was just, that was huge to me. And for me, I was like, that was a hell of an accomplishment. Did, did you think that that George gave DeMarcus a fair shake out there? Do you think he he was committed to trying to make things work? Because, you know, my read of it was basically from day one, you know, George was ready to move on, that he he wanted to move DeMarcus. Um, he was, you know, individually talking to teams about, you know, a DeMarcus Cousins trade. I mean, that relationship, player and coach, what did you see there? It seemed like, you know, like from looking at everything in hindsight and seeing the you know, what he's written in his book and stuff, like he probably already had like the predetermined uh, perception of what he was dealing with. You know, like maybe he didn't grow up without a father. So I'm already like boxing him in this, like this how I'm looking at him already, like in this predetermined thoughts and everything. You know, um, like I said, all the years that I've, played this game of basketball. I played with some characters. Um, I played with four, a lot of different coaches. I played for one of the greatest coaches ever, Pat Riley, one of the best coaches out there, um, and Rick Carlisle, and a lot of other great people. And I was able to adjust and, you know, adapt to their philosophies and everything and saw the direction they was going and exactly what they wanted. I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I didn't, I was like, I don't understand what's going, exactly what's going on here. I didn't, I didn't, it, it wasn't resonating. I didn't, I understand it. But as a professional, you know, you have to just find a way to make it work. And you got to do it gracefully. You know, I wasn't playing. It was frustrating, you know. And, you know, shit, I, I feel like I can go out there and score six to ten points on any you know, against anybody just from my skill set because I can shoot the ball and I took care of myself, my body. So I just didn't understand that part of it either. So I was always like, okay, just I got to be a professional for the young guys because if I blow up and they're already ready to blow up and this is the whole thing is going to explode. So I had to balance that night in and night out. That if, was tough. If you got a call from from somebody in a front office somewhere saying, you know, look, we're we're thinking about making a, a, a play for DeMarcus Cousins, what do you think? What do you say about DeMarcus Cousins, the player and the person? Uh, great person. He, he really is a great person. And, you know, he wants to win. Um, he's learning how to win. I know it's... Um, it's coming a little slower than a lot expected, but he's learning how to win. Um, genuine, genuine dude, real. And, you know, I asked him that, you know, we was talking about it on on set one day, and they was just like, hey, you know, um, we're going to bring up the DeMarcus Cousins thing. What do you think he want his legacy to be or whatever the case? So, I, you know, who else better to call than him? I asked him. I said, what do you want to be remembered as? He said, I want to be the best player ever. I want to be the best big man in the game. I want to, you know, transcend basketball. I want to break all these boundaries and things like that. So that's exactly what we promoted. And that's exactly what I told him. But this is coming from his mouth. This is what he want to be. This is what he want to do. And I believe it because mm-hmm. I saw him night in and night out wanting to be the best. You know, it's just frustrating when you don't get the results that you want. 
when you lose games, it, it is extremely frustrating and you can easily just be like, you know, the hell with it. But as a competitor, you go out there, you put up numbers, he try to help his team win. He's excited when they win. He's frustrated when they lose. That's that's the emotions I want from my superstar. Sometimes a change of scenery is necessary for any player we've Absolutely. seen in history. Can DeMarcus Cousins succeed in Sacramento? Uh, I think so. I, I I really thought that they would get that eighth or seventh seed this year. Uh, so it's, it's still yet to be seen. Um, but if they go on stretches and where they don't win three out of five and, you know, go one for four and things like that, I mean, he's young enough still to, you know, rebuild around and, you know, go forward. But as 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 a fan of the game, I would love to see him in a situation where he's just doing what he do in a good situation, a winning culture, a winning environment. And if that can't happen in the next two seasons for him, I think he needs to be, you know, in a different environment. Was it as chaotic on the inside as it looked like on the outside? On the outside, you see an owner that may not be on the same page as the GM, who may not be on the same page as the coach, who may not be on the same page as the star player. I mean, that to me from an outside looked like it was nuts. Uh, you know, on the it, inside? It may have been built wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. So like usually the owner, right? The owner hires the general manager. The general manager hires the coach. The coach basically builds his team, you know, right? Mm-hmm. So... I think it was like we we got the players, new owner, change the scenery with the arena, get a general manager, not his coach, coach, not his team. Like it, you get what I'm saying? So yeah. it was like a lot of, you know, <laughs> they had to restructure some things. It is still not all the way probably high to their liking, but they're still trying to get some things situated. So it was just, I think it was probably built in a different way, but they're making it functional. And you've been on the opposite end of that. You've been in Miami where the buck stops with Pat Riley. He's the coach and he's the president. You're in Dallas where there's a hierarchy there. It's Donnie Nelson, it's Rick Carl, even Oklahoma City, Sam Presti, Scott Brooks. I mean, I would think that that kind of stability is incredibly important for a locker room. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's the same message coming from the top to the bottom. You know, it can't be the top think this, the middle, and the lower. You know, like, it, it, the messages can't defer and go other ways. You know, it got to be. And that's how you get real momentum. And and once you see that, and then, you know, from the marketing standpoint, from uh, the city standpoint, everybody's on the same, same wavelength. But if that changes, uh, you're not going to get what you want. You know, we we have talked about George and, and DeMarcus and, and how that was kind of oil and water. On the other side of it, though, Rick Carlisle and Dirk Nowitzki seem like they are same wavelength. Like that 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 is, in the last 15, 20 years, I can't think of a, a coach-player relationship that's been so kind of in tune. What was what did you notice watching, you know, Rick coach a player like Dirk? I, I mean, he, he understood the importance, because he was a player coach, so he understood the importance of rest, he understood the importance of uh, continuity. He understood the importance of when to push him or when to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. You know, he he really understood his player and his team. And 
it was a great understanding. And that's why we was able to be successful when we was there. That's why they're still able to be successful now. And he trusts him. You know, the player got to, you got to have the utmost confidence and trust in him. Not just in the moment, but you got to be like, this player, this this coach is coaching me in life. And he's also coaching me because he wants the best for me. He don't want the best for a business opportunity or anything like that. Like usually, like you can look at the Clippers situation and Chris Paul goes down. Doc Rivers immediately says, says uh, issue statements like, we're not the same team without Chris Paul. It, it, it'll never be, it's, it's not another Chris Paul out there. He, so he's letting you know, I'm not thinking about trading him. I'm not not thinking about signing him this summer because it's only one him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He puts that out there. But, you know, sometimes coaches, when they see some of their key guys going down or guys that they're not too fond of, they may issue statements like, well, we're just a good team and we're going to move forward. Or like it's, it's certain things that you put out there in the universe that just doesn't sit well with the players or anything like that. And it shows that your loyalty isn't to the player or the team. It's, it's more about you and, you know, your vision and what you see. Like it's, it's certain things that you put out there that just kind of sketchy at times. You've, uh, you've made it clear you're not retired. You're, you're no. still looking to, to play. A uh, guy like you, uh, currently doing analyst work on TV, you've written a book, you could probably work in a front office or as a coach if you wanted to. What, what motivates you? What's, the, what's left for you to do at the NBA level? I just, you know, I, I, love, I love the game. You know, I love, you know, playing the right seeds and putting it out there. I love sharing my experiences. Uh, I've seen it from different walks of life. I've always been told what I couldn't do. So I love to continue to strive and, you know, accomplish things that people, you know, counted me out. You know, so, uh, you know, I got a lot of information, a lot of valuable information. And I I have a perspective that I see that I feel like others probably don't see or I'm, I'm, I'm brave enough to say things that people are not comfortable saying. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just want to continue to do that and continue to use my platform as much as possible. And you know, let the chips fall where they may. So is mentorship that uh, mean that much to you? Because, I mean, you'd probably, to go keep playing, you have to pack up, you know, probably leave uh, your family behind kind of once again and, and do that. Is it that important to you uh, to to be a mentor or to, to be on one more team? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is because at this point, that's what it's all, I do it in my off season. I do it, you know, I run my own organization. Um, my travel team, um, guys in the summer, you know, always reaching out, texting, coming over, visiting, just getting information from a, from a business standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, you know, um, just advice in general. And, you know, I'm always honest. Like, I'm going to tell them my thoughts and what I believe. And if if I'm a front office person, this is what I expect from you and things like that. So I'm just going to give a honest assessment of – those situations. So like, it's important for me to be in those situations to do that. And I love doing it. Like I love giving my opinion and sharing my experiences. And I think more guys should do it. You know, a lot of time, you know, people may go through these roads and don't give like that information back. And like, it, it, that's priceless. Like for people just to give their insight and you know, like, damn, you know what? Like I learned so much from him telling me that that I won't make that same mistake. You know, I think that's priceless. And, you know, more guys should do it. Mm-hmm. Well, you look like you're still in game shape. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. 
<laughs> Look like you're still ready to play. Work out every day, man. Work out every day. Spend time with my kids and just, you know, you know, enjoy life, you know. I'm well rested. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gron, you do have a bright future ahead of you, whatever you decide to do. And uh, thanks for taking some time to join the podcast here. No problem, bro. Thank you. Well, that's it for this week. My thanks to Karan Butler for joining the show. Don't forget, you can check out archive podcasts on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, give us a rating, leave a comment. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.